0: a mom walking by her son's room one night, and she was very excited because she could hear him praying. He was doing his bedtime prayers, and she was listening. She said, I'm just going to listen in to see how he's praying, and she started to hear him saying, well, Harold, can you bless my mom? Harold, can you bless my dad? Harold, can you help me with my homework? And the mom walked in and she said, Jack, I thought you were praying. Who's Harold? He said, I'm talking to God, Mom. And she said, Well, but who's Harold? Well, that's God, Mom. And she said, I don't understand. He said, Mom, every Sunday in Sunday school, we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, Harold be his name. Harold be his name and oh okay i understand that she said but it's important for us to understand the names of god the proper names of god that's why we've been studying for two months now we've been in a series on the names of god because through his names we are introduced to the truth of who he is what we do is we tear down our wrong impressions of him and replace them and discover who he is and how much he loves us. Through his names, we gain an understanding and experience his attributes. The names of God show us that for every need we have, God will provide for that need. When we surrender and depend upon him, that's God's greatest desire. He wants us to know him in the fullness of his being. He wants us to come into a relationship with him. He wants us to trust him with our very lives. In the past weeks, we've learned in Exodus 17 that God was Jehovah Raphi, who healed our bad attitudes, who healed the bitterness in our souls. In Genesis 22, we discovered the Lord as Jehovah Jireh. In our obedience, he provides In Judges chapter six, we heard about Gideon and his doubts and his fears, and we discovered Jehovah Shalom, who brings us peace, casts off fear, casts off doubt. We've learned that in our daily battles we have victory because of Jehovah Nissi. The Lord brings us victory. He is our banner. When we are in need of guidance, it's Jehovah Rohi, God that's our shepherd that leads us through the green pastures by the still waters for restoration and for refreshment. And this morning we're going to finish up our study on the names of God with Jehovah Shema. The Lord is there. The book of Ezekiel finishes with a verse of such great hope. And from that Day, the name of the city will be the Lord is there. Now, through this entire study, you know, I've been learning all these Hebrew names and these Hebrew words, and so I've been studying very much about the Hebrew words. And so I was very excited to go in and study Shema. What does Shema mean? The Hebrew word, what does it mean? It means there. Nothing profound. It just means there. Not here. There. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shema. That's that's it. (laughs) But what it really means is that he is present. The Lord is present with us. It means that he can be personal. It means that he can be experienced. But to fully grasp the magnitude of this particular name... We first need to understand what's going on with the Israelites. After Solomon's reign, Israel was split into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was known as Israel. They were conquered by the Assyrians in about 700 BC and then never heard from again. The southern kingdom was called Judah. And in about 600 B.C., they were invaded invaded by the people of Babylon. And the kings of Babylon were okay with Judah maintaining a little bit of their own kingship. As long as they paid their taxes. But then one of those kings of Judah decided they were going to rebel. They were no longer going to pay their taxes. So Nebuchadnezzar invades Jerusalem. He takes the Israelites into captivity, and here we are in Ezekiel. They've been captives of Babylon. And Ezekiel was taken in that invasion. And so he's writing from Babylon. Ezekiel was given visions from God you need to warn the Israelites of their idolatry to remind them that God was still God, even in the pagan land of Babylon. God was still God. The book of Ezekiel reveals a God that would rather forgive than judge. He reveals a God who is faithful even when his people are not. The entire theme of the book of Ezekiel is the Lord wanting his people to know who he is. The phrase, they will know that I am the Lord, is repeated over 70 times in the book of Ezekiel. Listen to this, just four verses from Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 22. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you, Sidon, and among you I will display my glory. You will know that I am the Lord when I inflict punishment on you and within you and prove to be holy. I will send a plague upon you and make blood flow in your streets. The slain will fall within you and the sword against you on every side. Then you will know that I am the Lord. No longer will the people of Israel have malicious neighbors who are painful briars and sharp thorns. Then... They will know that I am the sovereign Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says When I gather the people of Israel from the nations where they have been scattered, I will be proved holy through them in the sight of the nations. Then they will live in their own land, which I gave to my servant Jacob. They will live there in safety and will build houses and plant vineyards. They will live in safety when I inflict punishment on all their neighbors who malign them. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. This entire book, our entire series on the names of God, culminates in this. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. Ezekiel's prophecy occurs after the fall of Jerusalem. Now the temple has been destroyed, God's been evicted from the temple, but even more so he's been evicted from the hearts of the people. Ezekiel's visions show God's glory departing from the temple in stages, and at each time he gives them a chance to repent. In Ezekiel 10:4, the glory of God moves to the threshold of the temple. And then in verses 18 and 19, the glory of the Lord departs the threshold and stops at the entrance of the temple. And then in Ezekiel chapter 11, the glory of the Lord left the temple. He left Jerusalem and passed over the Kidron Valley. And in each instance, the Israelites didn't even notice that he was leaving, they go on with business as usual. How many churches do that today? How many churches the Holy Spirit is leaving and they go about just doing, just doing good stuff, but not God's stuff. And they miss the fact that he's not even in the building with them anymore. How did the Israelites get to that place? Because they believed that God was a present God. From the very beginning, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, God was in a relationship with his creation. We know from Genesis chapter 3 that God walked through the garden with Adam and Eve. They had everything. Security, safety, love, acceptance, perfection, and an intimate relationship with God. God. But in an act of rebellion, they were cast out of his presence. God was still there in the world, but everything else had changed. After the fall, the closest that the Israelites could ever come to dwelling with God was with his presence in the temple. His presence was located in the Ark of the Covenant, in the Holy of Holies, When Solomon's temple was built, the Lord took up residence there. God was there in his temple. But it wasn't the same as before the fall. There was no fellowship like in the garden. There were no walks. There was no personal relationship with God. Instead of God being there, he was over there. He was behind a curtain where only the high priest could access him. And now we see in the book of Ezekiel, the Israelites have no temple. Because of their idolatry and because of their sin, the temple has been destroyed and they've been dragged off into slavery again. So how did they get there? How do we keep from getting there? They lost their wonder of God's majesty. They became more interested in what God could do for them rather than what God wanted to do through them. They put God in a box and they think they could keep him there. Only call him out like a genie in a bottle when they needed something. Is that how we treat God? Are we in awe of his majesty? The second thing the Israelites did was that they bought into the lie that in comparison to the pagans, they weren't all that bad. And that maybe those pagans really aren't that bad either. We could behave like them, we could live like them. Is there a difference in the way we live compared to the rest of the world? What sets us apart as followers of Christ? This morning in our prayer time, we were talking about love. Love defines us. Love sets us apart. Our lives should reflect our Savior. That's how we're different. If we go out in the world and people don't see a difference in us, then you need to go back to your heart and say, Lord, what am I doing? What am I missing? Because maybe you don't have it right. The third thing the Israelites did was believe that their outward expression of their religion was more important than the condition of their heart. They believed that everything they did was okay, as long as they brought a sacrifice. What behavior in our lives do we excuse because, oh, I go to church. Oh, I ask for God's forgiveness. Oh, I tithe, so I'm good. And that's exactly where Ezekiel's vision steps in to bring us hope and bring hope to the people that were at the point of despair. Despair. Ezekiel's vision is one of a new Jerusalem, a city with a glorious temple where the glory of God will take up residence such that the Lord is there. That matters to you and me today. The same God that wanted the Israelites to know his presence wants us to know his presence today. God went to extraordinary lengths to be there for you and me through Jesus He established a new temple in you and me. God is with us. Matthew chapter 1. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Word became human and lived among us. Listen to how Max Licato describes Emmanuel, God with us. The Omnipotent in one instant made himself breakable. He who had been spirit became pierceable. He who was larger than the universe became an embryo. And he who sustains the world with a word chose to be dependent upon the nourishment of a young girl. God as a fetus, holiness sleeping in a womb, the creator of life being created. God was given eyebrows, elbows, kidneys. He stretched and floated in amniotic fluids of his mother. God had come near That's majesty. That is awe of the majesty of God. Do you understand just how cool that is? Amen. Amen. And when we grasp that, that's where our awe of God comes. See, knowing our hopeless and sinful condition, God did the only thing that He could do to redeem us and restore us, He stepped out of heaven. He humbled himself as a servant. He died on a cruel cross to offer a sacrifice to seek and save us who were lost. God came near to enter our hearts. He made his dwelling among us so that we might see his only begotten son and then take away our sins God is there because God is in us it isn't enough that God is with us we must be with him as well we must receive the present of his presence and invite him into our lives John 1 12 but to all who believed him and accepted him he gave the right to become children of God when God enters into our lives through the door of salvation he takes up residence we're his temple his spirit should reign in us Paul reminded us in first Corinthians 6 don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. This means that wherever you go, he goes with you. Whatever we do, he does it with us. But he isn't a genie in a bottle that gives us whatever we want. He convicts us. He leads us. He guides us and directs us. But we have to turn our ears to his voice and set our hearts and minds on the things of heaven. God stepped out of eternity to step into your life. God came near to be in our hearts. But it doesn't stop there. God made his dwelling among us to redeem us, but also to empower us for the work of his kingdom. We weren't just saved from hell. We were saved into a purposeful relationship with him. God has a plan for us. We were saved to be salt and light. Our lives exist to accomplish the mission of the master. We're ambassadors of Christ. That means that our lives exist to serve an external purpose that's greater than us. We're here to represent Jesus to the world. In Jehovah Shema, we find the God who is there. We find a God who is present in our lives so that we can know Him, to grow in Him, and to show Him to others. But sometimes, like the Israelites, we lose our focus. We lose sight of the God who is there. We lose sight of our citizenship in heaven. We let the world fill us up with the unimportant stuff. And then we start to lose our hope. So often we live our lives looking towards some event in the future. Sometime in our lives, maybe it's a potentially good thing, maybe it's a potentially bad thing. A doctor appointment, a court date, the loss of a loved one, a job change, a move. Whatever that future event is, it causes a knot in the pit of your stomach. Every time you think about it, whether it's real or imagined, this future event causes you huge amounts of stress, huge amounts of worry and anxiety. And we wonder, in that future moment, what will I do? How will I survive it? But our Lord, Jehovah Shammah, he is there. He's there already. He's already in your tomorrow. He already knows what's in your future. And he has complete control over it. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. The Lord is there. We can't control our future. We can't be in our future right now. But Jehovah Shema can. He'll walk with you into whatever tomorrow holds. So in those days ahead, if you feel that your life is out of control, Adonai, the Lord of all, is already there. If you need healing, whether it's spiritual or physical, Jehovah Rafi will be there. If you find yourself in need, Jehovah Jireh will be there. If you find yourself getting swallowed up in the doubts and fears of life, Jehovah Shalom will be there to bring you peace. If you find yourself in impossible situations where you don't see a way out, El Shaddai will be there. If you find yourself in a battle and you're losing, you're drowning, Jehovah Nissi will bring you victory. If you find yourself feeling lost, Overwhelmed, not knowing where to go. Jehovah Rohi will be there to shepherd you. Jehovah Shema will be there. That's what separates us from the world. We have the privilege of experiencing a personal relationship with God through His Son. Do you ever play hide and seek with little kids? They'll hide behind something. They think they're very well hidden. You can see them as clear as day, but they think they're hiding really well. As adults, we try to play hide and seek with God. We think we can outsmart him. We think he can't see us, but he is always there, and he is always looking for you. The name Jehovah Shema reminds us of what was always in the heart of God. That he loves his creation so much that he always planned to have them close to himself. He is never searching, he is ever searching, always searching, saying, where are you? Just like he did with Adam and Eve. Where are you? Calling us to repentance. Repentance. And faith. He is always using the events in your life so that you will see Him and that you will experience His presence. He takes the good and He takes the bad and reminds you, I'm still here, He says. Sometimes we don't know when we're experiencing God's presence because we get concerned about being rightly religious. Rather than rightly related to it, we come to church once a week, but we struggle in the daily routines, relationships with God. We love the tradition of church, but we miss His mercies that are new every morning. We prefer a sanitized, civilized religion over a raw and uncensored relationship with Jesus Christ. And when we prefer ritual over relationship, God becomes a stranger. When he knocks on the doors of our lives, we don't answer because we don't know it. Instead of sitting at the Lord's table, we've chosen to sit at the world's banquet table. And we fill up on all the things that the world wants to give us right now. The things that give us immediate gratification instead of looking to heaven for the things that are to come. We become prisoners of our own making. We become prisoners of the world. And we don't even try to escape. We find ourselves slipping out of hope, and we don't even realize it. During the Korean War, the American soldiers that were taken prisoner... They never tried to escape. And the psychologists after, they couldn't figure out why are they not trying to escape. And come to find out what was happening in the prisons, the Korean guards were dismantling hope on these soldiers in so many different ways. They had this whole system of just filling them up with stuff but taking away their hope at the same time. And so in interviews with these soldiers after, they said there was no reason for me to escape. I had nothing to live for. There was no hope for me. That's what we see in the world today. People have no hope. They see no hope for a future. But we need to tell them that Jehovah Shammah is here Jehovah Shema is present in the world and ready to welcome them with open arms. Let them know what Jesus has done. We become so afraid of sometimes what God's going to ask us to do. We don't open the door. I want opportunities, God, but... But those opportunities are too scary. If Publisher's Clearinghouse was going to knock on your door, you would answer it. God has so much more for you. The glories of heaven are available to you, and God is knocking on your door. I'm here. When Jesus shows up and he knocks on the door of your life, all he's asking for is a relationship with you. An authentic, real relationship with you. He wants you to know his presence, not for a moment, not just for an hour on Sunday morning, but for a lifetime. He wants to be Jehovah Shema for you. The God who is there. The God who is present in you. Do you know that Jesus is there? Because it's Jehovah Shema that gives us hope. Not just hope for today, but hope for all our tomorrows. Because he's already in them. May we never lose the wonder and hope of the promise of his presence. Jehovah Shema has given those who love him, those he calls his children, the promise of his presence for all eternity. We know that God is the great I am. We know that he will provide. We know that he will heal. We know that he is our banner, that he is our victory. We know that he will sanctify us. And we know that he is our peace. Because he is there. Because he is Jehovah Shema. Heavenly Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you loved us so much. That you sent Jesus. Jesus. To pay the debt for us we couldn't do it ourselves so you stepped in and you did it for us Lord may we never lose awe of your majesty and may you fill us up so much that when we leave this place it's just shining out of us it's pouring onto others that we come in contact with Lord thank you In Jesus' holy, precious name, amen.